House of Faith with Nae Lupondwana, 7 to 8 p.m. To you and welcome. You're listening to Facts of Faith with me, Nayel Upondwana, here on SFM, leading the conversation. We are together until 8 o'clock. This is a pre recorded conversation we're having with you and for you in order for you to have the good, same good quality of guests that you used to during the year, in spite of the fact that they might not be available for the hospital, the festive season. We have decided to have them anyway so that we can be able to have them. Whether they are available or not, we will have had the benefit of their insights. So, our question that we're trying to get answered for tonight is this role of sex in the marriage and whether it is obligatory for married people to allow each other to have the right of sex in marriage. And I want us to restrict it to marriage and nothing but marriage we do understand in the context of south africa people have annexed to themselves and arrogated rights of sex even though they are not married that is not the context in which we are talking about or talking in this evening we're talking about sex in marriage and we're trying to establish do these married people does the husband have the right and this right that can never be refused by the wife if the husband wants to have sex can the wife say no if the wife wants to have sex can the husband say no while we all know that sex is an imperative and important part of marriage it seems as though that some marriages the complaint is I have strayed and have found myself different sexual partners why because my husband does not want to have sex with me or my wife does not want to have sex with me therefore I will and and the excuses are many and this is just one of the excuses that people offer so the question that we're trying to get to is on that very part is sex obligatory within the confines of marriage can the wife say no or can the husband say no when the wife wants sex hashtag SAFM facts of faith I want to introduce you to our guests in no particular order, we do have Dr. Taj Hargi, the founder of The Open Mars. Dr. Hargi, good evening to you, and thank you for agreeing to talk to us. Good evening to you and your listeners. Also, we do have Pandit Darmanand Ragubir. I'm hoping I'm reading that correctly. He's representing Arya Samaj, South Africa. Good evening to you, Pandit, and thank you very much for agreeing to talk to us. Good evening, and namaste to all of you. Thank you for the call. Let's begin with Pandit. Pandit... Uh, sex in marriage is this forced is this a must can you refuse sex to your spouse if you're a wife can you say no to your husband if you're a husband can you say no to your wife all right thank you uh, i don't i it seems like we don't have much time so we'll go straight to the point of marriage uh, and again not just from a hindu perspective but i i have been asking myself uh, the wedding ceremony itself, let's go back to the start of the marriage. 
the wedding ceremony itself, in every culture is given a scriptural perspective. Why is that so? Is it because marriage is not just a biological or physical uh, matter, but it goes to a high level for human beings? It refers to mental, social, psychological, spiritual ability of the couple to take on the responsibilities of life. So, in the marriage, when we speak about obligatory, uh, there is a challenge with that word, because in, in any condition, a relationship, a sexual relationship, sexual cohabitation is not obligatory, but it must be voluntary, based on mutual love, respect, and honor for each other. The, and it has to do also with the health and well-being of both persons. So, in a, in, if you look at the uh, Hindu scripture, the, the Rig Veda, for example, Rig Veda 189.8, Yajur Veda 25.21 speaks of the respectful use of our organs and limbs and our bodies, respecting ourselves first, our own God-given body, and respecting each other's body as well. We have no right to abuse ourselves or to any other, any other being. Because sex in the, in the physical satisfaction refers to carnal uh, pleasures, non-commercial. It, 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 it results in uh, STDs, promiscuity, degrading even into criminal behavior, rape, GDV that we have so much of today, and getting even worse to human trafficking. Where does this, where has this begun and where does it end? So marriage from a Hindu perspective from any country has to do with spirituality of that marriage couple in that Household life going forward for a married couple, where you don't merely uh, it, because marriage is a commitment to each other and mutual love for each other. It is not just a physical arrangement with each other. Thank you. Th- that still does not answer the question I'm trying to get an answer to. Can therefore the wife say no because it is supposed yes. to be voluntary? If she does not volunteer her body, can she say no to the husband yes, when can. the husband? Both husband and wife can say no, depending on their condition of health and circumstances, yes. No, we're talking about a perfectly healthy couple. Can the husband say no to the wife if he's perfectly healthy, just doesn't want to? Can he say no to the wife and the wife say no to the husband? Yes, both can say no because both must mutually respect each other. The marriage is about each other's respect. It's not just about cohabitation. It is not a license to, to, to demand. Okay. All right. Thank you very much, Pandit. That's straightforward. Uh, Dr. Hargi? Well, uh, clearly in Islam, sex is important, both for for two specific purposes, for pleasure as well as for procreation. And both are dependent on mutual uh, uh, consent. Uh, this idea that uh, one party can force itself on the other party, that's totally against Islam. I mean, the, the Quran says in chapter 30, verse 21, that uh, he has brought people together to find peace and comfort with one another. Peace, comfort, contentment. And that obviously uh, presupposes uh, uh, mutual consent. So, for example, if a man is feeling in an uh, amorous uh, frame of mind and his uh, wife, we'll be talking about marriage here, uh, she is not, then he, he needs to forego that particular desire at that point because it's going to be it, it, it will be imposed uh, intimacy and Islam doesn't uh, permit imposed intimacy just voluntary mutual consent so yes both parties will have absolute right to say listen for whatever reason I have not tonight Josephine I have a headache 
or whatever the case may may be. Uh, both parties have that right, and this idea that men have by by by, uh, by right or tradition or orthodoxy have a right to own a woman's body. That's not what the Quran is, uh, says. It's very clear that yes, sex is an important part of Islamic uh, uh, spirituality, and spirituality actually goes hand in hand with sexuality within marriage. They are, they are not uh, opposite uh, forces, and uh, it's best for uh, sexuality to be obviously implemented uh, when there's mutual consent and not just uh, one party desiring it and, and, and the other not. And clearly we live in a, sadly, in a patriarchal society, a chauvinistic uh, system, most societies, uh, where men's uh, needs or prerogatives or desires supersedes often the, the women's. And that is not what the Quran teaches. The Quran talks about mutuality. There's a beautiful verse in the Quran describing the relationship between men and women. Quran says in chapter 2, verse 187, that uh, uh, women are a garment for men as men are a garment for women. Meaning what? That they are complementary to each other. They are interdependent with each other. And like garment provides uh, beauty, attraction, security, warmth, comfort, and so forth, uh, this is an equal relationship. And so sex has to be part of this equality. The, the, the sexual equation is based on parity in Islam, and you cannot uh, impose yourself a woman on a man or a man on a woman without the other party's full consent. I, I understand, and I understand both of you gentlemen, you are very guarded, and I'm, I'm okay with that, with the fact that there has been much abuse as far as sex is concerned. That is not the context of our conversation tonight, and I do not wish that anyone think that we're trying to find out if anyone can force the other. The, the context of our question is, if we are both getting married one to the other, the husband to the wife or the husband to the wives, one, of the, one part of the contract is, in this marriage there shall be sexual intercourse. And we are both therefore consenting by way of marriage to sexual intercourse as intercourse is an integral part of matrimony. Now, can one of these parties in this marriage contract, if I can call it that, deviate from that and say, while I agreed that I will be your husband and therefore provide sexual participation in marriage, I am no longer going to accede to that which I said I'm going to do. I'm no longer going to live up to my obligation of providing my wife with sex. I will say no. Does the husband have that right to, in spite of the fact that he did promise that he is going to be married to this woman, providing all and sundry, including sex, now suddenly say no. I am no longer. This applies to the wife. That's the context. When we all know that sex is supposed to be happening in the confines of marriage, and you don't get that sex in the confines of marriage, does the partner that refuses, whether it is the man or the woman, is the partner who refuses doing right? Does the, he or she have the right to refuse to do what he had signed up for? You want, okay, let me go first, if, if I may. That's all right, so, go ahead. Uh, in Islam, to get married, there has to be a premarital contract. 
we all hear about the Hollywood prenup. What, what we don't know is that this was a pure copy of what Islam introduced 1,400 years ago. And in this uh, uh, marriage contract, and this is contract, by the way, in this contract, clearly it states uh, that uh, there should be physical satisfaction in, in addition to everything else. And now, if for some reason the husband now decides, and let's talk about the husband in this, in, in this particular case, he no longer finds a woman attractive or uh, he, he has no inclination to be intimate and so forth, then she has the right then to, um, to initiate divorce. Because it, 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 it's a clear uh, expectation that in marriage there is physical intimacy. And if you do not want physical intimacy for one whatever reason, then the other party has, if she, he or she wishes, they can annul the marriage, separate and divorce. Because uh, it is one of basic human rights to have sexual satisfaction and sexual intimacy. And for some people it's more important than others, but still it's a widely recognized human need and human uh, right. Indeed. And uh, so, yes, uh, uh, it is a human right of any person to expect sexual intimacy because that is what they signed up for in this contract. Yeah, all right. And uh, if now, for, for whatever reason, they do not want to do so, then the other party, if they wishes, they can uh, um, uh, relinquish themselves from this contract and from this matrimonial union. Now, I understand from the purpose, from from the perspective of the Quran, when the wife has misbehaved in one way or the other, one of the remedies is that with withholding of sexual rights. Correct. Yes, absolutely. And but the point is, uh, it's, for, it's for both parties, not just for 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 for, for, for say recalcitrant women. What about recalcitrant men? You know, both parties have the right to, to, to... The Quran is saying, listen, when you have a disagreement about anything, you first talk about it. If that doesn't work, you then uh, uh, have separate beds. If that doesn't work, and then you separate for a while, and hopefully uh, you have some reconciliation if that's possible. So yes, there is a, a temporary uh, 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 solution, so to speak, regarding physical intimacy if you feel you have this unresolv- uh, unresolvable uh, issue between uh, uh, between the couple. All right. But it is not to be used willy-nilly. That's the part. <laughs> we'll get into that willy-nilly part right there because you're saying okay. for uh, the purposes of a recalcitrant husband or wife, that definition can be very broadly defined. But we'll, we'll no, talk absolutely. into... We'll, we'll talk, into, talk to that. For, different strokes for different folks. Indeed, indeed. Let's Hashtag SAFM Facts of Faith Let's bring in the Pandit Pandit um, I, I do understand that you're being careful So that we don't be seen We are not seen to be encouraging anything against the law That is not the purpose of our conversation I want to give you also the very same surety That we're simply focusing on the obligations of a married person If a married person has an obligation to be honest to his partner The married person has an obligation to respect his partner If the married person has the obligation to be committed to the partner One of the obligations is to provide sexual uh, intimacy in marriage and in the event that one partner uh, negates and deviates from those obligations and does not abide by those is that person who is not doing his obligations doing right does a person have the right to refuse his obligation in marriage okay uh, thank you again uh, firstly may I just uh, touch on the word contract 
this is not merely a piece of paper where two people sign by agreement with each other. Marriage, from a from a Hindu perspective, refers to uh, a, a sacredness of bringing together two souls and the families and the cultures and so on. So it is a sacred procedure. It is a sacrament, and therefore, in every culture, that marriage ceremony is is refers comes from scripture. And in, in one of the parts of the Hindu marriage ceremony, for example, in the Rig Veda, it talks about husband and wife must work in mutual accord and not be opposed to each other in order to bear brave offspring. So, you, in terms of sex and, and sexual behavior, human beings must rise above animal behavior. This is, a, this is one of the things that differs us from animals. Uh, so, yes, with, uh, in terms of mutual respect for each other, if one party, if one partner is unable to for health or any other reason, unable to consent at the time of need of one from the other, then that must be respected unless there is a continuous abuse of that not wanting to. For example, every other day saying I have a headache and I can't do it. So it must be by mutual accord, but when they proceed to saying every other day I have a headache, then that becomes a problem because there may be a third party involved in the relationship. Yeah. And that is, where the, that is where the breakdown of the marriage comes about because they have not respected each other, but a third party has come in. And so the scriptural uh, sacredness of the marriage starts to fall apart, which is where we look at it more from, uh, uh, rather than being a mere contract. It is a sacred equality between the two, to honor and respect each other mutually. And, with, and if there is one... Challenge, then you must address that also. We can't simply give up because one is saying, I cannot have sex with you. Th- that's, that's what happens to the next relationship. That's what we're trying to establish here. Are you suggesting that one partner can say no? If the conditions prevail at a certain time for health or mental, psychological, physical health reasons, whatever it may be, yes. But it cannot continue like that with one partner or the other saying, no, I can't today because of this and because of that. Then there is a problem that needs to be addressed. Indeed. Let's get down to those issues there. The reasons for saying no. If we're saying yes, any partner can say no, what reasons are offered by your scriptures to say no? Because I do understand, like I did suggest with the, uh, with, with, with the, 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 the sheikh there, Dr. Taj Hargi, we understand that there are situations where sex is not possible, and I do understand biologically, psychologically, emotionally, there are those times. For example, I, we all know that you really can't have sex with a woman when she's in her period, and when yeah. a man just cannot get to that stage, cannot rise to the occasion, I'm trying to be as modest as possible, it's not possible. And when they are physically in different places, or whether one is sick uh, that, that's not possible. So we understand those circumstances that are beyond human control. But yeah. when the situation is such that the person just doesn't feel like it, when somebody says, well, you've been having it too much, what mm-hmm. reasons are offered by your scriptures, Pandit, for refusing sex in marriage? The, the reason is given in the Rig Veda, which says, states that... Uh, there must be mutual respect of our organs, our limbs, and our body of our own and each other. And if one is not respected, then there becomes a problem. And, it, and then if that continues, then the, the problem of cohabitation becomes a problem. What is cohabitation but both living to each other, but with each other, 
but the nucleus is constant. Okay. And if the, if the constant begins to break down, then they need to get counseling and uh, spiritual counseling from uh, spiritual leaders as, as well as some uh, medical counseling as well, because the marriage is a consecration of life of two people getting together. And uh, and I want to repeat that this is where we stand apart from 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 the rest of creation. What is it that brings about human beings together in marriage as apart from the animals and birds and so on? And given all of those difficulties, we must be able to endure and support each other in our difficulties and as far as possible until it becomes that product point where we cannot go further and then we look at uh, other matters of separation. But in Hindu uh, marriage ceremony, there is no divorce. We must make every attempt to rise above this and come together. Because, because the grass, as you know, the grass is not always green on the other side. Indeed, indeed. So, what what do you propose happens there? Um, if if there are no restrictions and anyone can say no, and you find that perhaps the husband is no longer interested in the wife because he has other interests elsewhere, his interests are even gratified elsewhere. What do you expect this poor woman to do? Same applies with the wife. If the wife has found pleasure elsewhere, is no longer able to function at home because her in, in interests are gratified elsewhere, what do you pre- present to be the solution for the husband? Well, like I said, right at the outset, that it is to honor and respect each other. And in life, there are always challenges that are coming about. We can't simply walk away because of what should we do it. then, Pandit? I understand you're saying yeah, no should. divorce. What then should be done? Just to repeat that, we must, firstly, there must be a discussion on a, at a mature level between the two first, and then seek spiritual guidance from the priest or the organization, and then and also from a medical perspective of marriage counseling and so on, to bring together and try and overcome these challenges. You can't simply give up because there's a one, one or cannot say one because one is saying I cannot have sex anymore. Because like I said again, the tree of grass is not always green on the other side. All right. Uh, Dr. Hargate? The, uh, the, the principle of mutual accord must bear in mind at all times. Yeah. And when that mutuality is not there, it's yeah, a problem. Then they, yes. Then they consult with each other. They then consult with the spiritual organizer, leaders and counseling and all of that. Dr. Hargate? Failing all of that then they have to revisit their marriage and, and come to a, a peaceful separation. All right. Because you, you cannot force yourself to remain in a relationship which is, which is not working because one or the other is over-demanding or continuously demanding and the other is not fulfilling that demand. What? Because again, sex from a human perspective, from a scriptural perspective, sex cannot be a demand. It must be a mutual consent. Yes. Yes, I understand. What what does over demanding mean? Is there is there a measure well, of normality that <laughs> can then be a degree of comparisons where one is overdoing it or underdoing it? Is there a standard? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good point. You see, I mean, let's take another example. Another example: if if a husband comes home or both are working and both may be tired, and one is every other day saying can you have a good time and the other thing I'm tired and then how long does it go on like this but there must come a time of of uh, uh, respecting each other take some time out and if you continue like that then it means that either one is not interested or the other has some other interest and the, the one is not meeting that, that respect it's not a demand it must be by mutual respect we want to emphasize this 
because this is what raises us above animal behavior. It is not just done seasonally or by instinct, but by, by love. There must be a, a, the conditions of love and respect for each other. All right. All right. Uh, if, there's, uh, if, there's, if there's no love in a relationship, then what kind of uh, cohabitation takes place? All right, all right. I want to bring in Apostle Derek Muswan. Um, we're apart with Pandit uh, Ragubir. Thank you very much, Pandit. We really appreciate your time and your insights. Now, okay, thank you. Let, let's 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 go. While we're still trying to get um, uh, uh, the the Apostle Doctor Hargi, it's it's a, it's a problem to 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 talk about the the. The relativity of these situations, and we, we we need to get an explanation now. What what reasons does the Quran offer for a wife to say no, or for a husband to say no, legitimately so? There's no actual reason about that. It only talks about when there's friction and discord in the marriage. So, for example, the right to sexual satisfaction is an absolute uh, fundamental feature of Islam. Uh, People enter marriage with the expectation that there will be physical intimacy. And if for some reason later in the relationship, after five, ten, whatever many years, uh, the one party is no longer interested or, as you said, found someone else, well, firstly, finding someone else is a total no-no because that means you're straying from the marriage. So if you're straying from the marriage, then you must do the honorable thing, which is separate and divorce. Because you have no right to uh, be deceitful to your partner, whoever the, 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 uh, is, is, is perpetuating the deceit. Uh, so divorce is a, an option if there is no um, sexual satisfaction in the marriage. Clearly, but before you reach that stage, though, you need to discuss. You need to, as a pundit say, maybe go for marriage counseling and so forth and see what are the underlying reasons why the, that initial attraction that brought a couple together uh, at, the, at the beginning, why that magic is no longer there. And uh, can that magic be revi- revived, re- rejuvenated? If it can, well and good. But if it can't, then you must do the honorable thing and separate. Because what right do you, the one party have to, to deny the other party sexual satisfaction when that is a God-given human right. And so uh, there's no specific uh, uh, um, uh, situation that the Quran explains in detail, but says, listen, marriage is a, uh, a, a partnership based on complementarity. And if one party is not doing what the other party expects, then either resolve the situation by dealing with the issue or failing that, then separate and that the other party can uh, have uh, a new start and have uh, a, a physical intimacy, which clearly is very important for 99% of, of the world's, world's population. Indeed, and that's how we populate the world. <laughs> that is yes. how it happens. <laughs> but, but, but remember, in Islam, uh, uh, the two P's of sex is not just for procreation. It's also for pleasure. Yeah, I understand. And pleasure doesn't mean procreation. I understand. I totally understand there, uh, Dr. Hargi, and I totally agree with you. But now, the, the situation that prevails in marriages, and if we're looking at the statistics of divorce in our country, uh, it seems as though that people have found so many reasons to refuse one another to have sex in marriage. You'll find that husbands don't... Uh, find themselves ready, strong enough to do so because of their health and 
drinking alcohol habits which incapacitate them to drink, which even though they may not say no, but they just cannot perform. And that is one of the reasons that women find themselves deprived of adequate sexuality in marriage. Would you not perhaps see that practice of men, just give an example with men for now, men who have bad eating habits, bad drinking habits, bad consumption of any substance that is going to cause them not to be able to perform sexually. Would that be not a big no-no? Is that a way that men are saying no and depriving wives of sexuality in marriage? Yes, but as the Quran rightly points out, we should refrain from all intoxicants, not just wine and beer and stuff, stuff like that. Anything that impairs your mind and clearly will also impair your physical potency. What men need to realize very clearly is that when they marry their beloved, that they have a commitment to her to satisfy her in every way, not just materially, intellectually, religiously, spiritually, but also sexually. It's, it's, their, it's a woman's right to be sexually satisfied, as it is a man's right. Mm. You know, I mean, uh, an orgasm, um, is, uh, to be quite blunt, you know, it's, it, it, it's part of uh, what I believe God's gift to human, humankind, relieving stress, making you feel good, making you feel at peace with one another, things like that. Very beautiful um, uh, feeling. And uh, why, how can one partner deny the other partner that? Isn't that selfishness? Isn't that uh, 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 against the, the, the whole ethos of marriage? And if, for example, you no longer wish to be physically intimate, and let's take uh, the, 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 the case of a man, either he's no longer interested or he doesn't have the performance capacity, then he should either uh, 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 change his uh, lifestyle behavior or set the woman free. Because he, if he can't pr uh, uh, give her what she's entitled to, it's not a gift, she's entitled to it because mm. she's obviously been the same to her, to him, for him. And so if he, but if the man no longer can do so, then he should do the honorable thing and set her free so that she can go somewhere uh, to another marriage where she will be, where her needs will be met. Can I, can I push then to say, men do not have the right to drink or eat anything that is going to cause them not to be able to perform because that would be depriving absolutely, the wife. Absolutely, absolutely. There's, there's no ifs and buts about it. If, for example, you can drink six bottles of beer and it doesn't affect your performance, yeah. well and good. But if you're going to have you know, just one bottle and it affects your performance, then no, it's not good because you're now no longer thinking about your partner, Indeed. about her needs. You know, so yes, I would, uh, I would 100% agree with you that if I'm not saying you shouldn't drink and you shouldn't uh, have intoxicants, that's everyone's free choice. But your, your wife, your partner is entitled to marital bliss and sexual satisfaction. Indeed. And if you can't perform, then you must change your behavior. Indeed, indeed. You are failing your responsibilities as a man. Yes, absolutely. Indeed. All right, let's, let's, let's turn it to the woman's side. You find that um, uh, women don't have the very same problems that have men have. And that problem is the one and only problem of rising to the occasion. Men have that problem and there is nothing that can be done if the man is not able to rise to the occasion. Women don't have the problem. There are very easy solutions like lubricants for women, which then raises the question, in that event, uh, it seems as though there is very little that could cause the woman to 
not be able like menstruation we understand you cannot touch her during her menstrual cycle no it doesn't say the quran doesn't say that the quran only says you can't be physically intimate with her you can touch her you can kiss her you can cuddle her you can caress her so this notion that men are not cannot touch a woman in fact by the way a lot of women want to be cuddled during the the the, the, the monthly, monthly cycle they feel emotionally uh, vulnerable and they would welcome that so this idea of not touching someone uh, your wife during her period it comes from the hadith it has got no basis in the quran the quran only stipulates that you can't be physically intimate with that, them that, and by the way for for for, for 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 men if you say women have lubricants as a solution well men will have viagra as a solution <laughs> okay so Okay. <laughs> you know, so, okay. So, so you know we got to we got got to move with the times. Okay. Uh, okay. 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 No, when I was touching, I was actually referring to I- intimacy. There, uh, we know we are unable to be intimate with wives during her time of of uh, of her menstrual cycle. So we understand that cannot happen then. But outside that, it's very little. But hang could, on. Uh, yes. Go ahead. Naya, let me just ask you. You, you can actually be physically uh, close to your wife during this time you don't actually, I mean, you can do you can do everything except penetration okay now every now that leaves a, a, a wide range of things you can do okay. and by the way some women i don't say all but some women love to be physically close to their husbands yes. during this time without physical intimacy yeah you see you see dr hargi you have you have taken it to a level that i would like to engage you on but because of the time of our broadcast we cannot get to that level okay. of conversation our broadcast is, no is on the other side of uh, 11 we if if it was after 11 we could get to that level and that level is okay. the, the various <laughs> avenues we can explore if there cannot be any right. penetration uh, maybe you should set up a, a special program now perhaps let's let's do this and be It'd be quite enlightening for everyone, for Indeed. a lot of people, you know, because how uh, the issue here is we must get, uh, destigmatize this idea of period. I understand. That somehow a woman is unclean, I understand. dirty, and all of that type of nonsense. Yeah. And by destigmatizing it and uh, caressing them and holding hands or whatever, you know. And uh, other things. It, it I, I understand. It makes them feel much better. I understand. I understand, uh, 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 Dr. Hargi. Uh, let's, let's then talk about when you'll find that because she just doesn't feel like it i totally understand mm-hmm. when she is in her menstrual period there cannot be penetration but is i just don't feel like it or like the pandit was we we're having a conversation with the pandit when she says no you're overdoing it now is there such a thing as i don't feel like it or no you're overdoing it yeah, but like the pandit said, you can use it occasionally or sometimes. You can't do it on a regular basis because that means you're hiding the real reasons why you don't feel close to, 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 to your partner, why the wife is not feeling close to her husband. And she comes up with, uh, I have a headache tonight or something yes, of that nature. Yes. No, you, how many headaches can you have in a week? Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, so, so uh, uh, yes, we... I mean, this is the time I'm a hot-blooded, red-blooded fear uh, man. Okay, and I have a normal need. Yeah. And uh, yes, and sometimes I I I, um, I can see my wife is not eager, and I am very eager. But I I, I will uh, uh, suppress my desire for that day or that week or whatever. But it can't go on forever like that. 
Yeah. The idea of marriage is that there is, a, you know, mutual satisfaction. That is the reason why marriage is encouraged in Islam, so that uh, the husband and wives are satisfying each other in every which way, including, of course, this very important matter of sexuality. How long is too long? When you're saying she cannot keep on saying this for too long, how long is too long? Because well, I would, I would say- imagine a week or t- a week or two maximum. How long will this headache last? or whatever the, the flimsy excuse is, because that's an excuse then, it's a pretext. And he's hiding something far more uh, uh, important. And uh, she may be upset with the man, for example, uh, 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 punish him for flirting with, with someone, yeah. for example. Okay, so how long is this punishment going to last? Okay, all you right. Know, the, the, the husband has, has, hasn't actually done anything, but he's flirted, and flirting is very wrong as well, especially in front of your wife. Uh, and uh, so she wants to punish this man. <laughs> okay. You, so You, you, you laughed, and I, maybe you, you, you're guilty of that yourself. No, I'm laughing because you said, especially in front of the wife, as though it's okay when she's not looking. Flirting, it sounded as though you're suggesting no, it's, it's okay when she's not watching. <laughs> the, 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 yeah, the, the, the man obviously thinks it's okay when, when, the, when the wife is not looking. Okay, all right. Um, just to say, uh, we, we, we had invited Apostle Derek Muswana from the Faith Chapel International Church who was supposed to join us, but we are unable to bring him on. So please be aware we are not closing him out. We've been trying to call him. His, his phone is not picking up. So we're going to continue with Dr. Hargi. SAFM. Prime time all day long. So let's let's see. Um, uh, now we're talking about this issue, this idea of 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 saying no. How do you say no in in marriage? Understandably, that there are circumstances where you can and where you really shouldn't. But how do you do it? Um, because again, I'm I'm using the example of no. You're overdoing it. There are men who would complain that my wife is something wrong with my wife. She wants it all the time. Or women who would complain that she, he wants it all the time. What is the normal frequency of, of, of intimacy in marriage such that uh, when a person says no, it is legitimate. You're really overdoing it. Is there something in your scriptures that would guide the normal frequency of intimacy in marriage, Dr. Hargi? No, there's nothing in the Quran as such, but the Quran is talking about the fact that, you know, you are garments for one another. You need to be there for each other. There's complementarity and there's reciprocity. Uh, from the Hadith, we do get the idea that uh, 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 you can't be without uh, physical intimacy. Women, uh, especially, is mentioned that she's entitled to physical intimacy at least once every 120 days. Now, I think that's quite a ridiculous, Whoa. but uh, uh, but that's what the, the Hadith says. I, look here, I think uh, uh, sexual frequency declines with age. In your 20s, you may be wanting it every day. In your 30s, maybe two, three times a week. In your 40s, maybe once a week. In your 50s, maybe every second week. And 60, 70, whatever. So it, it does decline. I'm talking in general. But the idea is that physicality, sexuality, is such an ingrained part of marriage that you can't uh, 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 push it aside. You know, that, yes, maybe two 70-year-olds 
uh, you know, are, f- are physically close and maybe not actually engaging in, in, in penetration, but they're doing everything else, so to speak. You know, and that's part of the sex act too. Then, because it, it still provides that type of relief, this type of comfort, this type of uh, satisfaction. Yeah. So, uh, we, we we can't legislate and say, listen, it's so many times per week, per month, or, or whatever the case may be. But what's important is there must be a regular physical closeness, and of course, intimacy as well when both parties want it. But you come to the very important question you ask. You know, how do you say no? For me, you know, um, I have okay, on occasion very, very rarely said no, but I try to do it diplomatically. Yeah. You know, I, not to rebuff my wife and make her feel small and demean her. Yes. You know, I, I would uh, use tact uh, and say, listen, um, I've got something in my mind tomorrow. I've got to focus on this interview. I've got to do the, finish this academic paper, whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. And in that way, uh, I'm not directly saying no, but even though I don't feel like it, but I, I give this a tactful response to her instead of just saying no, I don't feel like it. I, I don't know if I've that, ever that, said that, no. That would be very hurtful. I understand. I understand, Dr. Hargi. I don't know if I've ever said no. I don't even need a reason. I don't know why I would say no. But I, I understand different strokes <laughs> for different folks, Dr. Hargi. Let's, yes. let, let, let's bring in Pandit again. Dr. Pandit, we're looking at a situation where uh, perhaps we need to be reasonable. And that reasoning perhaps may come from the scriptures. Is there any regulation from the scriptures as to the... Uh, uh, the frequency of sexual intimacy between husband and wife, Pandit? No. In, from the Hindu scriptures, sex is merely a part, a, a simple part of life uh, for adults because marriage is that launch into adults' life and sex becomes a part of married life for the procreation of children. And having born children, then again the mutual uh, love and respect for each other comes in. Uh, not, uh, I would not use the word obligation in the strongest sense because uh, because you're getting married by your own free will of your own volition, right? And then having born children, only human beings procreate, understand that. All other beings simply either procreate or instinct, they, they bring about their, their offspring. But human, human beings procreate and that means a positive creation must be brought about within child. And that takes great thought and love for each other. It, sex must happen with love and mutual respect for each other's body, mentally, spiritually, psychologically even. Otherwise, it becomes just an, a, a physical exercise that, that is no different from the animal life. I understand. Um, so, how often would you say is normal and healthy in a marriage? How often should this happen? We shouldn't be drawing a line there about saying how often, because it is a, a feeling of love, then it, can, it must be a spontaneous act between the two. It can happen again, but, but you know, yes, people are working, so you can count the day like daylight hours out, really. But when people get, when families and couples get together and go to bed together, then that gives them, they, it must be, become a mutual love and respect for each other. So even sex can be done with love and respect for each other, and then it can be enjoyed. Otherwise, it becomes a physical, mechanical, carnal pleasure, really. I understand there, Pandit. What I'm trying to establish is how how often shall I be physical and respect my wife and my wife respect me to the extent that um, uh, it is not expected for me to 
be surprised. I well, this is too much. How much would be too much? How much would be overdoing it? That's what we're trying to get to. I understand we cannot regulate it, but is there any guidance for men and women for them to know that perhaps you're overdoing it now or, well, this is not enough? Look, for anything in life, for anything in life, too much is too, is, is not good. So everything, in moderation, everything is beneficial. And therefore, if, for example, a husband demands uh, six, seven days a week for, for a month and the wife cannot cope anymore, then whose fault is it? Is it the husband that is over-demanding or, or conversely the wife is demanding sex every day? Then is it not overdoing it? And therefore, we, talk, we come back to the point that they must honor and respect each other as well. Too much of anything is not good for, for, for the mind, for the body. I understand, for, Pandit. I need to know what too much is. What is too, too much? much is, like I said, every day, every month. Okay, so if it's just five days in a week, that's okay. No, you know, we, 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 cannot, we cannot be consigning this to every day. I'm talking about mutual consent, and we are repeating this. Okay. All right. Let's let's now round off our conversation. Um, the, the avenues, um, and I'm trying to be as circumspect and calculating with my words there, Pandit. I was saying that to Dr. Hargi that because of the time we are broadcasting this show on, we are unable to be as explicit and as direct as we could, but uh, we do need to have the information nonetheless. So please uh, understand what I'm trying to be as cryptic i am trying to be as child friendly as possible because children are probably listening with their fathers and mothers to this program at the time at which we're broadcasting it now the avenues uh, dr hargi was suggesting that when the wife for example is unable because of the time of the month it is then suggested that you can explore other avenues to gratify each other's interests um, are there any limits? Are there certain things that you just cannot expect to do with your wife and your wife with you uh, that the, you, the scriptures are saying no to? Uh, there are other avenues that we know are available, but are those avenues also available to uh, uh, Hindus, for example? Yes. Uh, in the Hindu marriage ceremony, uh, one of the initial rights is the couple will garland each other, by which they make a commitment that they shall honor and respect each other at all times. They accept each other with their own free will. And therefore, they have no right to uh, be possible on each other at any given time. Uh, and, but that's, and therefore, the respect must be that if one is unable to at any time oblige, then the other must honor that unless, like we mentioned earlier, that Refusal cannot be all the time, neither can the demand be all the time. There must be a, a moderation and a control over that as well. We, so we understand that part there, uh, Pandit. We have moved on from that part. What we're trying to establish now is the op uh, alternatives. If penetration is not possible at that particular time, yes. are there alternatives to sexual gratification? And that can be permissive or permissible or uh, permitted in marriage for married couples to in, in, engage in. And I'm trying again to be as cryptic as I can so that we cannot, we don't violate the BCCSA regulations for the time we're broadcasting this on there, Pandit. So th okay. does, does, does the uh, Hindu faith have any suggestions on things that 
alternatives for sexual gratification outside penetration? In the strictest, in the strictest sense, from a uh, Hindu scriptural perspective, sex is for procreation. Outside of that, given medical advances like the, the uh, uh, birth control conditions and even going down to use of condoms and so on, yes, they can be measures of pleasure, but primarily for human beings from a scriptural perspective, wow. sex is for procreation. Oh, okay. Okay, so the Kama Sutra is not used by Hindus. Come again? The Kama Sutra is not used by Hindus. The Kama Sutra is used, and unfortunately, from a certain perspective, it is taken out of context and used simply for sexual gratification. But human beings, uh, from a scriptural perspective, it is not mere about merely gratification, but yes, they talk about different propositions and so on, and which, which can be enjoyed by both people. It must be, again, it must be enjoyed by both So that's what I'm trying to establish. The Kama Sutra is through and through a pleasure document. It's not a worship document at all. That's what I'm trying to establish. Are you therefore suggesting the Kama Sutra is not a Hindu document? Hindus don't use the Kama Sutra. They don't associate with the Kama Sutra. The Kama Sutra is, I have to say, taken in many, in some ways, out of context, simply to to sexual gratification. From a scriptural perspective of the Vedas, it talks about where sex has to do with the young and the sick which are for the purpose of procreation. We have different positions maybe as we're talking about adults, but even that too must be enjoyed mutually. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I I I suggested that the Kama Sutra is a is a is a, is a, is a religious document there, uh, Pandit? Call it a manual, but it is not scripture. Yeah, it's not scripture, and uh, yes. and it has nothing or very little to do with spirituality. There is a point. There is a point. Yeah, it and is. It, 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 it is for sexuality. It was. It's for eroticism, but not not for spirituality at all. Yes, because from a human, from a from a scriptural perspective, spirituality, uh, even sex, has to do with spirituality because of that. Uh, this is what raises us again from animal life, where we are given knowledge about procreation. I'm talking about procreation as being something that is positive. Human children are called progeny. Positive genes must be brought about. It's not just a physical uh, act of gratification. Okay. All right. Uh, Dr. Hagi? Um, uh, here, yes. here, here is a point of di- divergence there between uh, Hinduism and the Quran, uh, the, the the Muslim faith. For the Hindus, sex is purely for procreation, for making babies. If you're not going to make babies, sit down, shut up, and stay away. Uh, no, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. I understand. I'm hyperbolizing there. I understand you didn't say that there, <laughs> Pandit. I'm hyperbolizing there, Doctor Hargi. Uh, does does the Quran offer Alternative avenues to explore. I understand you suggested that perhaps if oh, penetration is not yeah, it's possible. I mean, uh, right. I mean, the, the Quran is clear. You know that uh, sex is not just for procreation; it's also for pleasure. Because you know, uh, human beings have been uh, hardwired to have those needs: sex, shelter, food, sustenance, and so forth. And sex is part of that, uh, the, the, the part of our DNA, so to speak. And yes, now. Clearly, there are other ways of uh, of, of uh, providing relief, if that's the word, and and and, and satisfaction when, uh, for example, your wife is uh, having her monthly courses, and 
you can mutually satisfy one another, you know, dexterously. We use cryptic language yes, here. Yes, sir. Yes, you sir. know, uh, <laughs> dexterously uh, um, uh, satisfy one another. And, that's, and, and that will do. You know, I mean, uh, like I said, it's not just about um, the sexual act and, and the, the intimacy. It's, it's all around. In fact, foreplay, you know, is a, is a must in Islam. You cannot just, you know, get on like 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 an animal, you know, and just mount each other, so to speak, you know. Uh, and foreplay, especially for fifty uh, percent of the world's population, women, fifty-one percent, you know, that's an integral component of their sexuality. And uh, men are told, taught in Islam that you know you need to be uh, um, uh, sensitive and to the needs of women. You know, we men uh, we become instantly aroused. Women are physio physiologically works a little bit differently, and so we need to accommodate that. And so there are many ways to do this. Uh, what is important is that at the end of the day, both parties are satisfied as best as possible. And I think that is what makes for a happy marriage. I, I was curious there when uh, you, you you suggested perhaps uh, the, the dexterous uh, alternative. Is that suggested in the Quran? That, no, it's the Quran... not suggested at all. But the Quran, the Quran doesn't micromanage one's behavior. Okay. It gives you the broad outline. Okay. The outline is that you need to be, you know, uh, sensitive to each other's needs and and. and be of comfort and peace and, con and bring contentment to the other party. Yeah. And if being dexterous is going to lead to contentment, why not do it? Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> All right. Perhaps we really need to have a conversation at a different time so that we can uh, talk more comfortably. But I do appreciate both of you, gentlemen, for coming through and talking to us and giving us your insights. I do appreciate you giving us your insights, especially at this time. You could have been doing any and everything else uh, to prepare, but you agreed to come to us and talk to us. Thank you very much, uh, Dr. Taj Hargi, founder of The Open Mass. Thank you very much. Really appreciate your time as well as Pandit. Uh, Pandit Dharmanand Ragubir, we appreciate you representing Arya Jama Samaj, South Africa, talking to us uh, from the Hindu perspective. From me, Nayadu Pandora, and I am the team. Have a wonderful evening and Godspeed.